Welcome to the latest AT and WB podcast. I am your host, Christopher Taylor, and I'm joined with Alex Wilson. That's right. We're 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 here. We're back, and we have attitude. But we'll 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 have nice attitude. I promise. The best attitude. Yeah, because so many wonderful things have happened in the world of Warner Brothers, which is something I made up. No one else says the world of Warner Brothers except <laughs> for this podcast, which is what makes it special, in my opinion, in my humble, sympathetic opinion. Yeah, wow, I like it. So world the, of Warner Brothers. That's it. Yeah, exactly. So the very first news we have is we have found the next Batman. Warner Brothers and DC have found their next live-action Batman. And do you know who that is? I do know who it is. It is uh, Robert Pattinson. That's of, right. Of uh, Harry Potter fame he's and Cedric Twilight Dewey. fame. Yeah. Yeah, and he's Twilight Sparkle. No, wait, that's not his name in Twilight. What's his Sparkle. name? In Twilight? Um, that's is Mister Sparkleabs. Mister Sparkleabs. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. That's right, Mister. Yeah. And his first name is Twilight, right? That's the point of the movies. He's twi- like, there is a character in pop culture named Twilight Sparkle. I'm pretty sure it's Robert Pattinson in Twilight. Anyway, so I have the list of all of the Batman that we can go over real quick. And I think it's interesting because now they're blocked in the trilogies. There's, there's three trilogies of Batman now. And so the first, the first three are Lewis Wilson, Robert Lowery, and Adam West. And if you don't know those first two names, they did serials of Batman, of Batman in the 40s and 50s. And oh. this is, these are the two who p- portrayed Batman in those black and white serials. Oh, that's cool. And then Adam West, who we know from the 66 Batman TV series, he was also in Batman the movie, which was like post the TV series. And then he reprised the role of Batman twice in two animated movies. One was released. I'm not sure if the other one's been released yet. And he, you know, he died last year, unfortunately, which sucks. That was a really sad moment. Uh, but they post post humanously, they're going to release that second Batman animated film with Adam West and Burt Ward as Batman and Robin. And, they never had Two-Face on the original TV show, but he is going to be the main bad guy in this animated film. It's feature-length, in this feature-length animated film. And he's going to be played by Captain Kirk himself. William Shatner. William Shatner. That's right. <laughs> yeah, so that's really cool. And then, you know, we have, like, the 90s, late 80s, early 90s Batman Michael Keaton, Val Kilmer, and George Clooney. And now we have this post-2000s Batman, Christian Bale, Ben Affleck, and Robert Pattinson, who honestly, I think is perfect. We talked about it on this podcast where I saw Robert Pattinson as a rumor. I don't know if you remember that. And no, Oh, go ahead. No, I remember we talked about a younger Batman casting that would be awesome, but yeah, I forgot you kind of called it or at least we talked about the rumors of it going around yeah and i don't know if that's on the the long lost episode because we do have a lost episode of the show that didn't get recorded properly so maybe on that which is very unfortunate but if it's not 
that would be really cool. Cause I think that I did think that was a really excellent rumor and I'm really happy that he's going to be Batman. I think he has a really good look to him. I think that to some people, he's an A-list actor, but to other people, he's like a C or D-list actor and becoming Batman will elevate him to an A-list actor, which is what happened to Gal Gadot, which is what happened to Jason Momoa. I think that this is the route, the route that, Warner Brothers and DC need to take. They don't need to get an A-list actor and make them the A-list Batman. They need to get a C or B-list actor, but being the A-list Batman will transform them and raise them into being an A-list actor. And it was a good move, too, in my opinion, because I don't think uh, he'll overshadow uh, the role in terms of that point that you're making. Exactly. You know, when, you, when you cast somebody like Ben Affleck, that just comes with so much baggage already that even if Ben Affleck just killed it, uh, it's going to distract from the process and from the character. Uh, but this way, maybe Robert Pattinson will kind of be given a little bit more freedom and room to grow with the character uh, and another another statistic that I heard about that was interesting is that I think Robert Pattinson is either the same age Christian Bale was when Bale started Batman. Oh wow! Or 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 like maybe even a year older, which is wild because I guess kind of growing up watching Robert Pattinson grow up on screen, I just am assuming he's a lot younger uh, than when Christian Bale started, but uh, evidently not. Yeah, I have no idea how old Robert Pattinson is right now. Like, is he younger than me? Is he older than me? I have no idea. I, I think he's about 31, 32. Uh, okay. Yeah, he's pretty close. Yeah, I will not say if that's younger or older than me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I think he's going to do a really good job. I think he has a very interesting look to him. Like, I think his face is just interesting looking, which is, again, why he's an actor. Like, Rami Malek has an interesting-looking face, you know? Like, he just is interesting-looking. Steve Buscemi has an interesting-looking face. Yeah. And, a different, and all these people in a completely different way, but I think that's what really... Like, I think that's just a really, like, cool thing. He's just interesting to look at. And yeah. he's really proven himself over the last couple of years in acting. Uh, a lot of the films that he's done... You know, he's done a lot of indie movies, or he's just worked with a lot of really good super talented directors and you can tell he just worked with that director because he wanted to work with him not because this is a big movie that's going to be huge you know so it's really cool on his part and on and on the flip side he's also going to be the lead with john david washington in the new christopher nolan movie i mean a tenant yeah which i'm glad you said it because i was reading it and i was like tenet tenant <laughs> i think it's tenant i mean that's what i I assumed it was tenet or tenets or, you know, kind of meaning principles of something, but I could be way off on that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I'm pretty sure what you said is what it is. Um, <laughs> I'm sure it is. Too. Yeah. So the Matt Reeves Batman movie, um, you know, Matt Reeves is directing it for June 25th, 2021 release. So it'd be great to get uh, Batman like the actor who's playing Batman in a Batman movie and then getting that actor who's playing Batman, but in a Christopher Nolan movie. And as we all know, Christopher Nolan did the dark Knight trilogy. So just a really cool thing that Warner brothers is pulling off right now. Cause they they're doing both those films. So I think that's really great synergy on their part. And if there's anything this podcast is about, it's all about Warner brothers synergy. Yes. Uh, Shazam two is happening. Henry Gaiden, who just wrote 
the original Shazam has been tapped to pen the sequel. Oh, that's great. Now, have you seen Shazam yet? I haven't, but I all, all I hear about is good things. So, uh, I mean, if it's if it's as good as the first one sounds like it is, then it should be a good continuation. And I heard uh, Zachary uh, Levi uh, or Levy is pretty great in it too. Yeah, and there's some like the only thing that I've heard about the movie that's not positive is some people say that he is playing more of like a kid while the kid is almost playing more like an adult. So when he transforms into Shazam, there's this feeling of like, is that the same character? Like there's some people are feeling that they play them too different. And Uh, the director specifically said they were going to have it like a, a, a special tick for the character, but then decided not to do that. They thought it was too on the nose. Uh, so they let the actors kind of do what they wanted. And that's the only thing that I've heard. And I can, and I see that in the film. I think the reason why it's like that is because the highs are very high when he's Shazam. And then the lows are very low when he's not Shazam, Billy. So I think that that's where the discrepancy comes from, is, is how it's written, not how it's acted. But, you know, to each yeah. of those, people think that that's fine. And again, I don't... and. I think this is very important. I don't think this movie feels like a Marvel movie. I think it feels like a Warner Brothers DC movie in that it feels like Batman Forever. And I think that's the best compliment I can give it. I think that they nailed that feeling, but without like the hokey corniness that you that Batman and Robin had. I think they went back to that good feeling that you get in Batman Forever. Just that fun color that you see in that movie while... Honestly, the Marvel movies are a little more drab. Like, the colors are a little more muted than, let's say, Shazam or Batman Forever. Yeah, and as as great a movie uh, as uh, big is with Tom Hanks, I think there's the same criticism for that, where as soon as uh, Tom Hanks' character appears after the kid uh, becomes an adult, I think he Tom Hanks' performance is a little big and over-the-top. But I think a lot of that is that excitement of, oh, now I'm an adult. I've got a lot more freedom. And and so I think he's playing up that kind of excitement in the same way you're talking about uh, Zachary Levi's characters yeah. go, going through these highs of the movie. Yeah, that's a good that's a good reference point. Since this movie is really I mean, they, they sold it on that idea of that. It's big, but with superheroes, it's like big and Spider-Man combined. Mm. Uh, Scooby-Doo and the Lost City of Gold will be an arena stage tour for five years in 30 countries. Oh, wow. That, that's it. About, uh, do you have any other new, anything to say about that? No. Is that the one that, uh, or no, I was just going to ask, is that the one Will Forte's in? But I doubt he'd sign up for a, a stage tour that's going to last uh, five years around the, around no, the that, world. No, that's Scooby, the, the CGI film that they're making. Um, oh, that's right. Yeah. And that, that's been pumping along forward. They actually uh, had a sit-down panel, or a sit-down panel. They had a panel with one of the creators of this new Scoob project. I think it's just Scoob or Scooby. Uh, it's not do. It's, it's the other word that they're just using. But, you know, they're building a whole Hanna-Barbera cinematic universe through it. And Scooby-Doo has been consistently on the air 
for, for since 1969. Like it's never not been on the air, just had different iterations of itself. And we'll have a specific episode to delve more into Scooby-Doo and that specific new project that's happening. I think we'll have an episode just devoted to Scooby-Doo at some point, uh, just because of how interesting all of this is, how big of a franchise it is. And you don't really think about it just there, but it's so important to Warner Brothers as a Hanna-Barbera property. Yeah, and I mean, they even make uh, Scooby Snacks that they still sell in stores, uh, which my daughter is a huge fan of. Uh, oh, good. So, I mean, I think they've figured out how to sell all kinds of Scooby merchandise, and like you said, it's been on the air since 1969, so as long as they keep kind of coming up with fresh directions to take the franchise in, I think it should be a, an interesting thing to watch. Yeah, and the freshest is to do an all-complete CGI computer-generated film and to introduce other Hanna-Barbera characters into that universe. That's the most exciting part, is getting to see how they would cross over those characters. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, it's going to be really fascinating to see if they pull it off or not, which I think they will. I mean, I think every kid's going to want to see the Scooby-Doo movie, uh, even if they don't currently like Scooby-Doo. It seems like such a flashpoint like a crux point in society of like where everyone's going to want to see that like the first cgi scoob movie and moving on mgm and warner brothers are making a sequel to tomb raider with alicia vikander the first two with angelina jolie were released by paramount and if you remember daniel craig was in cradle of life before he was james bond kind of oh yeah uh and and actually i saw the uh Alicia Vikander, uh, Tomb Raider, and it was not half bad. Um, nice. I, I think her performance was great in it. She's uh, the really story, great. The storyline is a, a, it's a little bit hokey, but I think that she brings a lot to the role that it doesn't feel like it's trying to copy a video game. It, it's got some aspects to it that brings a lot of heart to the, to the movie and to the franchise. That's good. My only complaint about it was the name of the movie. I feel like it should have been called like Tomb Raider and the blah 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 blah. Like, yeah, have a subtitle. Was there something they were going after for the movie? Like, was there a MacGuffin that the movie could have been named after? Uh, it could have been. Hmm, probably. I don't know. I'm kind of blanking on it, but uh, they sh- they c- should have just made up one at least. It could have been Tomb Raider and the Secret of the Use. Um, but uh, something like that. Yeah. It was actually, the, the MacGuffin was kind of close to this, it's this idea without spoiling too much, uh, that there is this ancient kind of Japanese uh, legend about this woman who basically uh, became this demon-like figure in ancient Japan and, and committed genocide with all these mystical powers, and it's kind of like Japan's own Salem Witch Trials uh, and now somebody is trying to uh, find her body on this kind of deserted island in the South Pacific and raise her from the dead. And uh, uh, the Tomb Raider has to go and stop that from happening. Um, Lara so the, Croft. Yeah, Lara Croft. So uh, the plot device of it all is kind of a little bit hokey, but uh, how they kind of get from point A, a to point B is interesting, and it it doesn't feel like a direct copy from the video games, and it doesn't feel like a a rehash of uh, of the uh, Angelina Jolie movies. That's great. Let's see. March fourth, twenty twenty two, is the release date set for the Minecraft movie, and Peter Sillette is set to be the writer and director. Oh, interesting. I mean, uh, I'm sure that will be a uh, 
a huge franchise if they can get it off the ground. I mean, every kid I've ever talked to uh, seems like they play Minecraft. So. Yeah. Yeah. And and uh, they could they own the rights to the Lego Movie, so they can cross over the Lego Movie with the Minecraft Movie. Oh, that's that would, true. That would like melt the world. That would make so much money. That would just print money. Yeah, and it, and at least you could probably. I mean, that would kind of bring some. That would at least ground it a little bit because as as crazy as the Lego Movie was, there there was a sense that there were some rules they had to play by in the world, uh, and I thought that kept the plotting and the pacing and characters consistent. Uh, and so if Minecraft could kind of figure out a way to bring the fantastical elements of the game alive while also kind of giving you a sense that there were real consequences and stakes and rules that they had to play by, uh, yeah. that would be pretty cool. Definitely. Uh, AT&T has sold the Hudson Yard Space in New York City, home of the Warner Media New York City offices, for $2.2 billion and will lease out the space from now on. They have a $170 billion debt load, so they're trying to unload that. Now they only have a $167.8 billion debt load. <laughs> <laughs> so they're well on their way to zero. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's it's interesting because, I mean, usually it's it's healthy to have a little bit of debt as a company, but AT&T uh, is definitely one of those companies that is at the higher end of how much debt they're carrying. Yeah, they need to find a way to get rid of all that. And Shazam only costs $100 million to make. I know it costs a lot of money to promote, but they consider promotion like a different money revenue stream going in. Like That, movie, that money's going to be spent on something anyway. It might as well be this movie, you know? So that yeah. money's going to be spent anyway. Uh but then you have over here Shazam, hundred million dollars, and makes like three hundred fifty worldwide. That's really great. That's a that's a really good uh, positive amount of money. Again, hundred seventy billion dollars. I'm sure they want every movie to make a billion dollars so they can start like getting rid of this debt. And the real long term money maker will be some of these subscription services, and then also. Uh merchandising for all those movies so i think that's kind of how you keep steady cash flow coming in absolutely uh, yeah so hopefully they can pull that off yeah uh, supposedly the game of thrones prequel is called blood boon and will have something to do with the night king have you heard about this yeah is that the one with um is naomi watts naomi watts that's right yeah, uh, I, I know she's a part of it, and that's about it. And I know that it involves the Night King, um, and so those are the two facts that yeah. I know about that movie. And so real quick, I mean, we don't have to talk about all of Game of Thrones, but uh, and I, we don't even need to know like what our opinions are of the finale, because that's what everyone's yeah. talking about. But it's, see, the, there's one point in the final episode that not can... Like, I was... Not totally with it. Like, I'm like, oh, this is 100% fun. Like, it's great. But I was there and I was like, okay, I agree that the reason why they did this was because of this. I get it. The reason why the city, you know, the the reason, the way, and you watched it, right? Yes, I did. <laughs> Good. Good. I don't want to say anything. But <laughs> they're like, the reason why the city falls on Cersei and kills her, like, that's her death, which to me, I'm like, I wanted something more. But the reason why that happens is because it completely justifies Danny's decision to bring down the entire city. Because the only way to kill Cersei in her mind is to bring the city down on top of Cersei, which is what she does. So 
it completely makes sense in the context of what they did, you know? And so, again, not complaining, but there's just one scene that confused me, and that was when Danny dies. And Jon Snow, you know, stabs her, she falls to the ground, then Drogon, the dragon, grabs her body and flies her away somewhere. So at that moment, we're watching it, and we're like, there's no body, there's no proof that he just did this. Like Exactly. And then the cuts and then they all know that he did it and it was just like what is happening right i was so confused after that moment so confused but then for for gray worm to be so loyal like the whole time and then if he does find out that john uh killed her whether john admitted it or not you think he would immediately execute john it seems like yeah. there's no reason why he would keep him around for like two months while they you know brought all these other kings and queens from around the realm yeah to decide yeah yeah it, didn't, it just didn't make sense to me <laughs> no yeah but, that that that, yeah. that part definitely bothers me a lot more uh than danny burning the city to the ground I, I think there's at least there's at least evidence from other seasons where she she'll burn a whole fleet of ships you know for screwing her over or she'll or she'll burn like the Yunkai masters or all the, like sh- she's willing to take it to the next level to really prove a point that, yeah, she kills uh, Sam's yeah. like family. Like yeah. she, she's in that arena in the other city and she's getting pummeled. So she barely escapes with her life and the people who were trying to kill her were the citizens there. So it makes sense that she'd want to like showcase to the citizens. Like I don't fuck around. Yeah. But that, and I mean, if, if I like, in seeing it and then saying, oh, like, what would I have done to maybe make it more sense for people? And again, this is just me projecting my own idea. I'm not saying this is what they should have done. But the whole there was this whole thing with the bell. And it was like, once I ring, if they ring the bell, then they have forfeited and you win, Danny. That's what they told her. So then they run and you're like oh my god are they gonna ring the bell or not And that's what you're wondering the entire time and then danny watches them ring the bell and then decides i'm gonna destroy the city anyway but what i think i would have been neat is if like they're about to ring the bell and danny destroys the bell tower like right as the person's about to ring it so uh, that would have been like cool. she prevents them from ringing the bell so she can destroy all of them i i don't know if that still like would work, I don't know if that would work better. I don't know if that actually works worse. I just think that I think it would work better. I think that's like a really neat way of doing that little twist that they were trying to do. Yeah, uh, I, I I think that would have worked. I do think it's I don't know. The more I let it kind of settle and the more distance I have from it, I do think it's kind of cool that it, she's sending a message that you know it kind of forfeiting after I've pretty much won the battle. Uh, or taking control doesn't mean that you're going to get rewarded for it. It's like you need to, if you're, if I come across you on the battlefield, you need to submit right away like I ask you to, or you're going to pay for it. Yeah. Um, but, but I do, I mean, I'm, my biggest thing is just what happened at the council afterwards and basically everything that happens after she gets stabbed just doesn't make a lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah. That's so weird. We're both in that same boat. Yeah. Completely. And then like, I wish like Jamie had a better ending. Like, yeah, I wish that he was like, I thought when he was talking to Brienne, he was lying to her and he was trying, he was going to go kill Cersei. 
And it would have been cool if he was still, if he was going to try to kill her. But then, like, when he sees her, he's like, no, I am in love with you. I can't do this. But instead, it was just like, no, I, I'm a bad person. I'm going to go away now. And it just seemed like too much of a jump. Like, you could have stayed and you would still be alive. I don't know. It seemed, I don't know. It's just yeah. like, I understand she's like your princess and you're trying to, like, that's what they're going for. And you're trying to bring her out of the city. So she survives, but like I mean, I think the Brienne uh, Jamie ship was the strongest ship throughout the series. <laughs> yeah, and I would have, and I'm glad I did see that come to fruition. I just would have liked to keep it instead of like him moving away from it or going against it. But again, it's what the character's decision is, and some characters, some characters don't arc, and some characters stay bad, or some characters still have those past experiences and contingencies that they live through. So they're going to want to relive them again. It makes sense. Yeah. You get that reward. And so you want to do it again. That woman, Katie Keene and Nancy drew were all picked up by the CW and the CW renewed all of their shows, all 14. So they now have 17 scripted shows, which is why they are finally opening Sunday night for business. Yeah. That's a crazy amount of shows to finally have. I, I feel like, I feel like it wasn't that long ago when it was pretty much Arrow and like four other soap operas. So it's pretty nice to see them really, you know, digging into their slate and having a huge lineup of programming. Yeah, it was Arrow, Supernatural, Heart of Dixie, which your wife worked on. Yeah, she was a casting assistant on that show. And then, I don't know, all the other shows, it was just a different show every season. (laughs) (laughs) Swapping them out. Yeah, I mean, Riverdale, I think for my money has been like great it's like so again so ridiculous so off the wall that the season three i thought was just like really cool with the griffins and gargoyle stuff again That's very, cool. very hokey and very like this episode is a heather's episode and this episode is the raid they actually do an episode that's like the raid redemption oh that's awesome yeah, yeah, the, yeah. You said they go to a prison, so uh, that's that's definitely something I need to catch up on. Yeah, well, then there's also underground boxing in the prison. Oh, that's so, right. So he takes up like boxing in this season, which is so ridiculous. Because you know, next season he's not going to give a shit about boxing, like nah. football and playing the guitar. <laughs> is it one of those shows where it seems like they're on the path to eventually like graduate and leave high school, or are they just going to kind of forever be in high school? I mean, they are going season by season, like like as if they're going through, you know, their their years. Like the the years are consistent with ours. Okay. Yeah, so they have one more year left, their senior year. But then we see a flash forward in this um, for next season. We we see it at the last episode of this past season, and uh, it's three of them, and they're all like naked with blood on them, just in their underwear, and they have Jughead's bloody hat. And then they and they had they're like burn his hat too, and they throw all their clothes and his hat into the fire. Obviously, they want you to think Jughead's dead. He's obviously not dead. They, they he honestly Jughead probably killed somebody. That's my guess. And they got blood everywhere, so they have to get rid of it. And there's blood on Jughead's hat, so they have to get rid of that too. Nice and simple. Yeah. But I don't know. Let's be interesting. This whole season was who is the gargoyle king. And that was a lot of fun. Like, who's who's gonna who's it gonna be? And it's just really cool how they do the mythology with the families. I think it's really fun. Hmm. Yeah, and how they're like built into Riverdale, like their the, their ancestors. It's just really that that stuff. The mythology is really deep and fun that they work with. That's cool. 
all of the international distribution wings of Warner Media will be now under one branch. HBO Turner and Warner were always kept separate, but now they are all the same, and same for home entertainment. Interesting. At the TNT TBS upfront, they were very upfront about merging the brands and even talking about not being saddled to just drama or just comedy. There's going to be comedy on TNT and drama on TBS soon. Yeah, they're going to have to. Maybe they've already changed the taglines, uh, but that's going to be one of the first steps they're going to have to do to rebrand. The, uh, and they should just really... go back to the Superstation. The super... Oh, yeah. That was the best one. I don't yeah. know why they ever left that. Yeah, you could do the Superstation and the Bat Station. Wait, no. That not just mean. James not just James Bond marathons anymore. <laughs> yeah. Or the Superstation and the Wonder Station. That's oh, cool. yeah. That's what they should do. At the oh, then uh Conan took to the stage because you know he his show's on TBS, so he's a Warner Brothers property. And he joked <laughs> that okay, you'll love this. You know that the head the CEO of Warner Media is John Stanky. We always talk about him. Oh yeah. Well, Conan joked that the Warner streaming service should be called Stanky Vision. <laughs> that would be awesome. Then he made fun of his corporate overlords and said that the Warner upfronts will be followed by two bars and terrible reception. <laughs> yeah, that's it's sad they took Conan's show down to like 30 minutes. It's probably... And it's probably, yeah. Is it four continue. days a week? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they really cut him down. I wonder what's going to happen with the streaming service, because I feel, well, I guess live shows don't work well on streaming services. Every like talk show they've tried on Netflix, they've canned. Yeah. Every live talk show. What's your Actually, show? have they tried a live uh, talk show on Netflix? That would be cool. I, I feel like they've... They have. They've, oh, they have? I knew they did like some taped ones, but uh, was like Chelsea was her show that they moved to Netflix live or anything? Yeah, Chelsea's show was live. I'm pretty sure okay. it was live. And uh, I know that's somewhere where they want to go, but I just don't think it's a successful business venture for them. Or maybe it's yeah. the last business venture going live since everything else was live and now they want to go to a streaming service. And so they do the opposite. We have Netflix the channel soon, you know? Yeah, TV. and... Another interesting thing that at least I've seen on Netflix is that they're having more shows that are just 12 to 15 minute episodes and they're not really restricted to how long the episodes have to be. So it'll be interesting to see if Warner Media and Disney Plus uh, kind of uh, experiment with that model too, where they bring in comedians and, and different uh, name actors and say, hey, you just have to film an hour and 15 minutes of content and we'll split that up into six or seven episodes. Yeah, well, that's because they're competing so heavily with HBO. So they want to have as many comedy specials as HBO does. Yeah. And luckily, you know, Warner Brothers owns HBO. So they're... They've already got a head start. Exactly. And that's why the big rumor right now, which I didn't even write down, but this is the most important thing for this show, is that not Stanky Vision, the, the rumored name for the new streaming service is HBO Max. Oh, which is interesting. Just weird. I don't think of HBO as a family brand as much as, like, say, Disney or, I guess, Netflix. But it is their strongest brand, cable-wise. Yeah, and they, they, they're they the ones who put out new episodes of Sesame Street now. So who knows? Maybe they're trying to, to pivot to do a, little, a few more family uh, programs. But, yeah, I definitely I don't think of them as family first when I think of them as a service. Yeah, they got rid of all of their late night, their porn. They got rid of their porn. Yeah. <laughs> their softcore 
late night material. That makes sense. Warner has the rights to the NBA, NCAA basketball, and golf, and now they have all elite wrestling, a wrestling circuit that's more serious than the WWE, and it'll air on TNT. I don't. Mm. I, have you ever watched wrestling? I have. I was. I mean, I was big into the WWF back in the nineties, um, but I have not watched much of anything lately. And I definitely haven't seen a lot of like the offshoots or the the smaller wrestling leagues like, uh, like ECW back in the day, or or even like New Japan wrestling, which is like a big thing now. But uh. But yeah, I'm I'm behind on my smaller wrestling circuit models. Definitely, I know they did TNA wrestling recently. Yeah, they they all always just get bought up by the WWE at the end of the day. Yeah, or they fold because I mean uh, the the bigger ones they they always have one big name that they're able to take from the WWE, but it, they they can't really build a fan base around just having one big name, um, and it's hard for them to have the time and momentum to kind of grow their own homegrown names for their league while WWE kind of already has this head start and, uh, and all this history. All this pull, yeah. And history. Yeah. I remember when the WCW was separate and then it was folded in. I only know because of the video games, like WCW versus NWO was such a big game on the Nintendo 64 that I used to play all the time. World tour and revenge. Yeah, and they were the most successful other than WWF, mainly because they they acquired more than just one big name from the WWF. So they, they took Hulk Hogan, and then they took four or five other big names, and they started to have these rivalries. Whereas when you have people like TNA wrestling, they might just get one name, and then they kind of fold before they're able to pick mm. up a big cast of people. Oh, that's interesting. That makes sense that that's how... You would do it because that's what they try to do when the NFL, when Madden and EA gained the exclusive rights to the NFL for video game purposes. Uh, 2K try to make their own NFL game without the NFL. Yeah, and it just, I mean, it doesn't work. People want to relate to some of these names and they want to feel a sense of familiarity with them. And so if you don't have that, I mean, it's just like with IPs and remakes now where if you don't have that notoriety it's really hard to get things off the ground exactly yeah they try to get the life rights well they did they try to get the life rights to a bunch of the former nfl players and then they made up their own teams but they actually had the old players that had retired Uh. yeah like peyton manning had retired at that point so he was like the lead he was on the front of the box for it interesting yeah at&t ceo steven or randall stevenson Steven Randelson is what I really want to call him. <laughs> Said he thinks the Warner streaming service will rack up tens of millions of subscribers. A beta version will be out this year with the full thing out next year. Now, I have exclusive information that Warner has five teams working on five separate streaming platforms right now. This is exclusive. Like, literally... We learned this from a friend who works in the entertainment industry. Uh, but they, they're still working on the separate services? So they have five separate services. They have HBO Go, the new streaming service, Stanky Vision. Uh, and then they have the TBS and TNT apps, the DC Universe. And then finally, they have a streaming service for award season. And those are all separate teams doing separate things. It seems like... You want to get rid of your $170 billion of debt? How about making that all one team? Like, it seems pretty obvious to me. Like, one yeah. bigger team, but one team. 
Well, maybe they're developing content for you know with five uh, different teams, but they are still going with the model now, where it's going to be one streaming service for Warner Media, and it's going to be like sixteen to seventeen dollars a month, right? Is that the last I heard about that? But yeah, the actual teams working on all of these kind of need to merge together, so you can have the DC Universe app interact with the HBO Max app or whatever it's going to be called, the Warner streaming service. Yeah, I agree with that. I definitely thought, even with uh, Showtime and CBS, I always thought that, I mean, I know they're catering to different demographics and different markets, but it was always surprising that you didn't have just a strong line of communication where you saw exactly what CBS was developing and CBS and Showtime shared with CBS exactly what they were developing. That way they could kind of just have even more knowledge and insight into what the trends were, what's being shopped around. And I think that in this similar situation, you know, if if TNT and TBS start, you know, crossing over, it would definitely be helpful for them to kind of share information to see, you know, what, what are you guys interested? What are we trying to do? How can we not step on each other's toes or how can we provide kind of a parallel experience? Yeah. Interesting. Remember, we said it's two sided and three tiered model. So yeah. two sided means ads and no ads. So that's what the sides are. <laughs> <laughs> I think the tiers are still going to be like you can get it. You can like it's just going to be like HBO's the bottom tier, and then like maybe HBO Max is what this thing's going to end up being called, and that's like the premium tier. And then like HBO Max plus DC Universe will be like the third tier. Or I don't even, I feel like DC Universe is just going to be folded into the streaming service, honestly. But I don't Yeah. And, and I, don't, I don't, you know, the last, I thought I read an article where it said uh, one way they're going to really rack up subscribers fast is that most cable subscribers, you know, they're paying $15 a month just for HBO. And so with this new model, if you pay 16 or $17 for Warner Media, it includes HBO. And so you're going to get like, I think they said they have 8 million, 8.5 million HBO subscribers right now. So if you get a majority of them to just already sign up for something that only costs a dollar or two more than what they're already paying, you yeah. already have like a pretty good foundation for the new uh That's very model. true. But I, I, Universal doesn't have that, though. I guess they're owned by Comcast, so people have their Comcast subscriptions, and for a dollar more, they can get like the universal streaming app but let's, yeah we don't care about that. that's just that we don't care about that <laughs> no but they, that'd just be monster movies and i guess maybe some crime movies from the yeah. 50s 60s and 70s but yeah and minions and minions and minions that's yeah. true there yeah their animation outlets getting stronger but for right now it, it's not anywhere close to what wb and disney have yeah. Okay. In talking about again, I I want to call it Stanky Vision. I'm going to keep going with that. In talking about Stanky Vision, we'll go back to the DC Universe streaming service. Um, Swamp Thing premiered on the DC Universe streaming service, and after the first episode dropped, Warner abruptly canceled the show. And this comes after they cut down the original episode order from 13 to only 10 back in April, which I thought was fine as no show should have a season more than 10 episodes anymore, I think. Especially on a streaming service. Like, maybe if you're on network, do 22 episodes, because that's what the model is. And Yeah. And they can make really great content with that, like, in that pumping out, like, an episode every six days. But if you're a streaming service, like, 10 is fine with me. Like, 
Those Game of Thrones seasons that were 10 episodes were perfect. The Game of Thrones episodes that were less than 10 should have been 10 episodes. That's like, yeah. besides yeah, that. And, and especially in the DC universe now, in, in television, where there's so much to try to keep up with, it doesn't really make sense to have more than... 10 episode shows when you're if you're if you're hoping that the same people who watch uh legends of tomorrow and arrow are going to also turn into swamp thing and also going to tune into uh batwoman and i mean with just so much kind of competing content within your own brand uh it's tough to justify uh trying to make them trying to make people sit through large orders of tv for each one yeah it's a lot uh, James Wan, who produced the show Swamp Thing, tweeted, Don't really know or understand why Swamp Thing was canceled, but I can tell you this. All the cast, the crew, and producing writing team poured their hearts into this. Really proud of everyone's hard work. Go watch episode two and immortalize these ten episodes. Swampy deserves it. Yeah, I heard a, I think it's mainly, at least the rumor is that uh, North Carolina didn't give them the type of tax credit that they th- that they were expecting to receive, um, and so it's kind of like a spiteful thing where it's okay. Let's let's not renew it for a second season if we're not going to recoup as much of the budget as we expected to. That's um, exactly but, what I heard too. Yeah, yeah. the rumors. Still sad. Yeah, the rumors were all about how it was because they're making their new streaming service, so they're moving the money there instead. But that doesn't make any sense to me, because you can fold in Season 2 of Swamp Thing on the new streaming service. So, like, that I didn't make any sense. But, yeah, from what I heard, there's a miscommunication with, yeah, like you said, the North Carolina Film Office over tax rebates. Yeah, and I was actually excited for Swamp Thing because it was a little bit different tonally than a lot of the other... DC TV characters and it was a little darker and so I thought there would be similar to kind of how Doctor Strange opened up this mystical aspect to the MCU you know this would have opened up this kind of uh, almost like a like a tie to the old universal monster type storytelling that you could see within the DC universe yeah the big rumor was that uh, I mean they had three they had a three season arc thought out already that we know that but the rumor was that the three seasons would then lead to a Justice League Dark movie oh, or TV show or something. That would have been fantastic. Yeah. But unfortunately, because of North Carolina and because they had to build a real swamp in- indoors and they can't just move that, they got to redo that somewhere else if they want to do the show again, uh, we're not going to get a season two. Thanks a lot, Bin Laden. <laughs> unfortunately, North Carolina drained the swamp. Yeah, it's the only swamp we didn't want drained, and they did it. <laughs> and they did it. God damn it. Uh, the CW deal with Netflix garnered the CW $1 billion in 2011, which happened again in 2016 and again in 2019. But that's it. The new shows on the CW will be shopped elsewhere. Probably the Warner Streaming Service, obviously, or the DC Universe app. But they specifically said, they actually specifically said they want Batwoman for the new Warner streaming service. The original deal was a season of the show was put up on Netflix eight days after the finale aired on the CW. Two thirds of Netflix streams are of library viewing, meaning old shows people watch over and over like The Office or Friends or Pretty Little Liars, which is also leaving soon probably for the Warner streaming service 
uh, again, since it's made by Warner Horizons, Pretty Little Liars. Yeah. There'll be an episode devoted to that as well. Netflix is uh, spending $15 billion in original programming to this year and $17.5 billion next year. Yeah, and it's funny that they, I mean, they freely admit shows like Friends and The Office do the most for them. Um, and now their whole model is kind of canceling shows after season three because they worry about it getting expensive. And yeah. it seems like that might be fine for most shows, but it seems like there should be one or two comedies they should focus on to get to seven or eight seasons so that you get that repeatable viewing you know, aspect that they got out of The Office. That's very true. They're not thinking of the long haul too much like they were before. I mean, they were thinking in the long haul of like, we won't cancel a show after one season. Every show gets two seasons, but that gets really expensive and you're spreading yourself thin. Every show's only going to get three seasons. If you have so many, they're not going to go all the way, like you said, to eight or nine. And they've thought for so long they've wanted to have, you know, marquee shows with either big name actors or big name writers and producers. And now it's almost like the one big gap in programming they have is kind of the the bread and butter of, you know, Big Bang Theory and all these, uh, you know, office comedies uh, and yeah. workplace comedies that would actually, you know, work as, you know, white noise for people who are doing exactly. stuff in the background. Yeah. Uh, Mark Pedowitz, head of the CW, said he thinks the CW is an important part of the Warner Media ecosystem. So even that term, Warner, Warner Media ecosystem, exists now. Series based on Deathstroke entitled Deathstroke Knights and Dragons is making its way to the CW Seed, which is a sister app to the CW. It's from Blue Ribbon Content, the same company behind the other two CWC DC animated shows, Vixen and The Ray, which I believe all take place in the DCW universe, aka the Berlante Arrowverse. Mm. Interesting. I, I, I don't know how I feel about having a CWC and a DCU app. And I mean, if you're you're going to do that, you'd think you'd at least keep the DC separates or the DC uh, IP separate. Uh, But, uh, but I guess, you know, they're still figuring out how to merge all these properties fluidly. And they will. I think, I think all of this will eventually go to the DC universe streaming service or the Warner plus app, whatever is good. Like whatever, if, if the DC, I don't know why I'm so convinced that the DC Universe app is going to get like molded into or folded into the Warner Plus app, but well, that would actually be smart because maybe the way that they can do it, like you're saying, is maybe it's not such a bad thing to have all these different uh, things like CWC and the DCU app because you could have like a Warner Media stick, like a you know, like an Amazon Fire stick, and instead of having apps for you know, different third-party companies, you know, all your apps within that are, you know, CWC, DC uh, app, uh, Warner Classics movies, etc. And so it'll be kind of like you have a library experience, and those are just like, you know, channels within that library. Yeah. I guess I see it as like, you can get the DC Universe app for eight bucks by itself, and it's its own separate thing. Or you can get like the HBO Max app, and that gives you, you know, it's it's a, like you said, it's HBO, but it's a dollar more. So yeah. 
So it's everything that I have on my HBO, but then it's all of Warner's movies and TV shows from their past. And then if I wanted to, with my HBO Max, I can do like HBO Max Plus, which gives me all the DC content as well. So Mm. maybe it's not an extra app, but it's just like it makes my HBO Max app even bigger, if that makes sense. That makes sense. Like it, yeah. they kind of get folded into each other if you choose that option, or you can still have it as, as a separate adventure. I do. I would be very surprised if they ever, uh, if they ever offer HBO along with any package where they insert ads, because I think the one sticking point they're trying to hold to is uh, HBO's never had ads, no matter what kind of format it's been, whether it be streaming or online or what have you. Yeah. Uh, so hopefully they don't kind of break that streak and start trying to put ads in Game of Thrones for a, you know, for a cheaper experience. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I think maybe if Netflix does it, then they'll do it. I don't know. Yeah. March fifth, twenty twenty one is uh, when Warner Brothers plans to release the new Mortal Kombat movie. James Wan of Aquaman is producing with Simon McCoy directing. Mortal Kombat was originally a Midway Games property, but they went bankrupt and their assets were bought by Warner Brothers. Ed Boon's team, who make Mortal Kombat, rebranded themselves as NetherRealm Studios, which is a party of Warner Brothers Interactive. The original movies, Mortal Kombat and Mortal Kombat Annihilation, were put out by New Line Cinema, which is, you know, the other studio Warner owns. Mm, Interesting. Yeah, I love Mortal Kombat. Uh, Scorpion and Sub-Zero are, like, two of my favorite video game characters. Specifically, Sub-Zero is my favorite of Mortal Kombat. I'd always play it. And even uh, even Annihilation, I mean, it was it was not nearly as good as the first movie. Uh, but I was such a sucker for those games growing up. I would, I'd pretty much watch a Mortal Kombat movie with zero plot lines whatsoever. So yeah, uh, well, I'd argue that the original Mortal Kombat movie is the best video game adaptation up until Detective Pikachu. <laughs> interesting. Yeah, that's a bold claim. I mean, I liked it. I just I don't know if I could if I'd watch it again with the same kind of enthusiasm for it but i do think that it it at least holds true to the uh the format of the video game in a way that a lot of like i mean when you watch resident evil it doesn't really hold up to the experience that you feel when you're playing the game and at least with the first mortal kombat film uh i mean it feels like you're entering this outer world tournament and it feels like the stakes are kind of as high as they created for this tournament style of video game play yeah yeah, I, I I just think that it. I'm sure, I, I haven't seen it in a while, but I feel like the first Mortal Kombat probably ages better than a lot of other stuff. Yeah, and I do. I, I appreciate a lot of the practical effects, and even when it's hokey, at least they. I don't know. They're they're finding creative ways to show Goro in a way that nowadays, uh, if you just kind of slap some CGI on that character, uh, not only would it look bad, but it wouldn't feel like this kind of real living presence on screen. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, this is interesting. May 21st, 2021, we'll see the release of Taiki Waititi's live-action Akira from Warner Brothers, and Leonardo DiCaprio is co-producing. Yeah, I still can't believe that one's getting made, but uh, I mean, hopefully it, uh, hopefully it's better than what I expect it to be, but uh, we'll see. Yeah, I mean, you really like the anime, right? 
Yeah, and it's no knock against DiCaprio and like Tiki Waititi, but it's, uh, I mean, just that anime is just so hard to conceptualize as a live action film. And I mean, it does stuff that even nowadays with as big a budget as you can imagine, it would be tough to pull off. Uh, I mean, Tokyo is destroyed a couple times in the film and there's just so much that's kind of hard to replicate. But uh, I think the I mean, goal it, would be it, to make it, it in the two movies, maybe. I'm not sure. I don't actually know that, but that would make sense yeah. to me. Yeah, and if any property, you know, I used to kind of be at the mind where it's like you should do one film or three films. Like it, it, it always felt like a trilogy was the way to wrap things up. Uh, yeah, successfully if you were gonna franchise something. But if anything would be worthwhile as a two-parter, that movie would make sense because it's it's not quite expansive enough to be three films. But there definitely is kind of a midpoint to it that would be a good cliffhanger for. Kind of like in the way that it is working out now, uh, there would be a you know a great midpoint for a chapter two of Akira. Yeah, Batman writer Tom King is writing New Gods for Ava DuVernay to direct. Uh, Ava also has a hundred million dollar WBTV deal, which is funny because she just had this thing on Netflix. So yeah. documentary. Yeah, that's interesting. I'm uh, I'm kind of surprised Netflix didn't uh, try to snag her, but maybe they did. And this this deal that she got offered at Warner Brothers was just way too lucrative. I think she's a big comic book nerd, so she was like, "Oh, I want to make a DC movie." Yeah. Yeah. And I think she probably has some sour feelings from. Uh, it felt like when they were when Marvel was reaching out to her tentatively to maybe do Black Panther, it felt like they didn't want to give up as much creative control, you know, rightfully so. It seems like they play things a little close to the vest. Um, whereas with DC, maybe now they're a little bit more interested in letting some of these artists and directors have a little bit more free reign over these properties. So she might've been interested in that. Yeah. That's always technically Warner Brothers' stance is we're a director's driven studio. So we let the director's, decide yeah for better or for worse but i mean uh, at least now I, I don't know with some of the earlier dc films i don't know how you, it could get much worse and and i think um aquaman was so successful and wonder woman so successful that it's it's kind of worth taking a chance on some of these directors when you know the the times where it does work it's really a fantastic example of filmmaking yeah I guess it is a good example of that. That like they that guy is in the Warner realm now. It'll be interesting to see what they do. Yeah. Uh, Dune: The Sisterhood will be a series for the Warner streaming service, and the pilot will be directed by Denis Villeneuve. Denis Villeneuve. Uh, John Spathes is writing the show, and he was the original writer on Prometheus back before it was called Prometheus. Even I think it was Alien Harvest. I think so. I'm not sure. Yeah, I read the original, his original draft of that Alien movie. And, you know, Dennis Villanueva is directing the Dune movie, and he's also going to direct the pilot, probably at the same time, for the show. And, you know, he has a very specific style as a director, and uh, I can really see him pulling this off. Again, they're all bet they're 100% banking on the director for Dune, really. I guess, pe- like, people's knowledge of the book, but... They, they think it's going to be so good, they're doing a show and a movie at the same time now. Interesting. Have you read Dune? No, I haven't read Dune, actually. That's kind of on my list, but it's just kind of a daunting prospect. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I need to check it out. And there's like multiple trilogies written after the main writer died, too. 
that a, that a Star Wars writer like took over and like he basically finished everything. A Star Wars like novel writer, like EU. That's cool. So, Bart, this is the fourth Warner streaming service show that's been announced. Uh, Tokyo Vice, starring Ansel Elgert, which is a drama, has also been announced. Uh, Love Life, starring and produced uh, Anna Kendrick, and that Gremlins prequel. Mm. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited for the Gremlins prequel. That should be cool. Yeah. July 16th, 2021 will be the release date for Space Jam 2. Nice. Yeah, they're they're in full-fledged production on it now, right? There's actually, like, shots of them shooting it. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. And LeBron James has actually tweeted about it. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, it's, I'm excited to see what they can pull off with that movie. But, uh, I mean, he's got such a great charisma that hopefully uh, it'll come across on screen. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, they actually have shots of them, like, Behind the scenes, people have taken like candid shots of them actually filming Space Jam Two. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, yeah. So it's all it's all real. He said, and LeBron James actually tweeted this. He said, "Man, this really just hit me. I'm really shooting Space Jam Two. This is so surreal and doesn't even make sense to me. Where I come from, man, and what I saw growing up, this doesn't add up to me." I'm truly grateful and beyond blessed. This is craziness. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like he's putting everything he's got into it, which is nice that it's not just a cash grab. So yeah, it'd be fun to see it happen on screen. Yeah, especially because uh, Michael Jordan infamously hated shooting the original Space Jam. Like, you know, oh, he'd like really? rather like kill himself to make a second one. That's why he never <laughs> made a second one. They offered him so much money. The closest he got was making MCI commercials with the Looney Tunes, which, oh, again, yeah. is a whole other subject for another podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that's it. Space Jam 2. It's actually happened, people. It's for real. And that is the Warner news of the time that we are living in right now. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, do you have any final thoughts, Alex? Just, uh, you know, everybody keep an eye out for Warner Properties coming to something near you. And it may be three tiers and it might just be one thing and it may be eight things. But uh, I, I, I think it'll come together uh, at least by the end of the year or something. Well, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, to that, as we say at the end of every episode, that's all, folks. Roar! This has been a full dinosaur production. We went back to Batu, Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. Nice. Disneyland, yeah. So we've been twice now, which is really crazy. But That's um, pretty cool. What, what's your favorite uh, thing there? I mean, definitely the cantina, I'd say. Um, the cantina is pretty amazing. And, uh, you know, that's where they have the blue bantha milk, specifically the blue bantha. They have two different milks outside, a blue and a green, but the blues are different inside and outside. The ride was not that good, honestly, Uh, unfortunately. But the ride, like queue, like the line into the ride is really amazing. Uh, We didn't build lightsabers, but we went into like the lightsaber building, like, like not where they actually build them and you get a table, but like, the shop before that, 
which was really amazing. The droid building area is like incredible. Like everything comes out on a conveyor belt. So you just kind of, it looks like you're just mixing and matching stuff. You know, you're just grabbing random parts as opposed to like, they're like, you know, this bin of just red, like R2D2, like, like heads. And then this bin of blue R2D2 heads, you know, it's like you just pick them up from a conveyor belt. So that was really crazy to see. We didn't build a lightsaber or a droid because it's so expensive, but it's like 150 for a droid and 200 for a lightsaber. But the oh, wow. experiences are supposed to be really special, especially the lightsaber experience. Mm. I heard it's like the uh, I heard it's like the best thing, obviously, because you're paying extra for it. So it's a whole presentation. It's really cool. And uh, yeah, the other ride still isn't open yet, unfortunately. Which but, one's that one? That's Rise of the Resistance, mm. and it's like supposed to be a 27-minute ride, but they can't get it to work for more than a couple minutes without it breaking, supposedly. So it'll open later this year. I mean, there's also the theory that they're just delaying it because they want people to come back to experience it, you know? Yeah. Could make it another event. But yeah, we went for the preview, which was you had to get a reservation and then in this like month period, and then uh, you go, and then you have a four-hour window that they bring you into Batu, And in the first hour, the previous guests that had a four-hour window are there with you. So it's really packed the first hour and the last hour, because the last hour, the new guests are in. So there's like 6,000 people in just that part of the park in Galaxy's Edge in the first hour and the last hour, but then there's only like 3,000 in the second and third hour. So like there was like no one there uh, like during the preview. And then there was like a little more people there during the non-preview, just general genuinely or generally us going and which is right now because you could just go like you just need a disneyland pass and you just walk into the galaxy's edge and the mm. music plays as you walk in to that part of the park and then oh, once, you're, cool. once you're on batu you just hear ships flying by and stuff there's no music and you're it's a very immersive experience there's a really cool uh like ar vr game that you can play with your phone and you, it turns into a data pad, and you can like hack into things, and you can scan objects and see what's actually in the crates and stuff. That's oh, pretty that's cool. like very Rogue One and stuff. That's pretty cool. Yeah, and like Rogue One, that you know, the shop area they have four. They have a bunch of different shops, but you know, one's the Toy Darien Toy Market, so it's like a toy store, and then they have the creature shop, and then they have like the wardrobe shop, and uh, like in the toy shop they have like the wooden stormtrooper doll that uh that um what's her name i'm just told Jin Jin erso had mm. like has as a kid like she's carrying around and i believe ray has one too in the force awakens like uh but obviously one as a clone trooper and one as a stormtrooper respectively uh but yeah they have those that you can buy i bought chance cubes which are the cubes that Watto throws in the phantom menace which, oh yeah, which I just was in love with. I was like, I have to get these. And that's then, a cool specific thing for them to sell, right? And then in in this is like the coolest thing that I saw. Um, in the droid factory, you can get like attachments for your droid, and one of your attachments is this magnetic bolt that you can put on the front, 
and it's the uh, restrictor bolt. Is that what it's called? No. And you remember in A New Hope, like R2 and C3PO have the like con- constrictor bolt on them? Oh, yeah. And then I don't he, know what it's called, but I know what you're talking about. He takes it off so that he can listen to the full message, and then R2 yeah. escapes. Yeah, you can buy one of those. Restrainer bolt, that's what it is. You can buy a restrainer bolt, uh, and then you can just put it on your fridge if you want to restrain your fridge from escaping. Like, is your refrigerator running? No, because it has a restrictor bolt on it, so it's not. <laughs> Have you wrapped it around your fridge yet? I have. I haven't bought that. I didn't buy that, uh, but I, I want to. You know, it's just a little nub you can stick on it. And uh, then, okay, so yeah. it doesn't like wrap. It's just okay. That makes sense. Yeah, and then uh, they have so many things. There's so many things to buy. It's so cool, like all this stuff. And they have little Coca Colas, but they look like detonators. And oh, like, nice. and I think like like the top is really big, and it's on top of like an actual like cap. And so I was holding it just with that part. And so the entire like detonator of Sprite, this was a Sprite bottle that I had just fell and like rolled away from me. And it looked like a detonator falling and like, it was kind of funny, but then we drank it quickly. So the, so the fuzz didn't go away. Do they have like the Crimson Order guards walking around or is it mostly just like stormtroopers? The first order? Right. Yeah, the, but what, like the the like the the red ones, the Praetorian yeah, exactly. guards. Yeah. yeah, they um, I don't think they had those guys actually, because it's it's Kylo Ren walking around, I guess, as supreme leader now. Oh, uh, I see. so he comes out of his ship and he's walking around. And he's like on business, you know. He's like, he's like, like you can't like stop and get a picture with him. He will stop and approach you and say like like ask you what you are and stuff and you can like take like candid <laughs> shots but nothing like cheese there's nothing like that in the park although ray cool, will though. take a picture with you ray's just uh, walking around and chewy and ray will stop and get a picture especially like the little girls dressed as ray which was yeah, really the most beautiful thing i saw in the park was these uh, little girls dressed as ray running up and asking for a picture and it's like ah oh, that's what it's all about at the end of the day yeah really. that's pretty cool yeah it's really really cool and little boys dressed up as Han, but you see a lot of little girls dressed up as Ray with the three buns in the back. It's really cute. Do they have any like young Han guys uh, walking around, or is it? Are most of the people who are like actors? Are they? Is it like people from like the current continuity of things? Like yeah, it takes place in the sequel trilogy time since. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, but you do have Hondo. He uh, has you fly the Millennium Falcon. He's from the Clone Wars and Rebels, I believe, as well. So he's, yeah, he's uh, been through, like, I guess his race just lives longer than others. So he's still around during the sequel trilogy time. And yeah, and then there's this other character that runs around, uh, and she is from, like, the Galaxy's Edge comic book or book, I believe. Oh, that's and cool. she's like an important character, yeah. And you can take pictures with her. Well, it's nice. interesting. It seems it's it's interesting how Disney, or specifically Lucasfilm and and Star Wars, they're always not Disney, Lucasfilm and Star Wars. They're always obsessed with creating like new, like they even though the stories a lot of times you know they'll parallel and they'll do what they call just like circle theory of like. You reference the past, but you build on it and slightly, like you yeah. know, like you do Canto Bite, but really Canto Bite's a reference 
to uh, like, but it's rich people partying and, and it's, it's scum and villainy, but it's rich people. So it's like the exact, it's like the border opposite of the cantina, like Mos Eisley uh, cantina. So it's interesting how Star Wars has always done that. But then with characters, they're always like, no, new characters. We need to have new, fresh characters and keep it going. Uh, and that's what they have here too. It's like new characters for this for this world for these stories. Well, that's cool. Yeah, yeah. And then one the coolest part is, do you remember the old Star Tours? They had Rex who flew the ship. He was the yes. captain. And then they got rid of Rex, and C three PO would fly it instead. And Star Tours: The Adventure Continues. Yeah. Well, I definitely remember C three PO doing that. Yeah. Well, it used to be Rex, and now Rex is the DJ at the cantina. DJ Rex. Oh, cool. Yeah. Really, that that's I don't think that's like like one of my favorite parts is Rex as the DJ and all the music that he plays. I think it's right. really great. Yeah. So yeah, that's that's all galaxies. We're gonna go tomorrow as well because our passes expire in like a week. So we need to get we need to get in there a couple more times. Oh yeah. And this might are be the gonna, last time Saturday. Are y'all gonna try to re up it, or are you just gonna let them expire this time? We're gonna let them expire, and then we're gonna get uh, year passes to Universal since we haven't been to Harry Potter World yet. Oh, that's smart. Yeah, Harry Potter World's awesome. Yeah, we went we went there like right before we left, but nice, that's pretty cool. Yeah, we that, Harry Potter go. World actually. I felt like the rides were actually really good, but that's good. Some of, some of the attract like some of the just the like Hogsmeade and stuff was pretty limited, uh, but the rides are pretty cool. Yeah, I know that like they just do like for the wand choosing. They just like you're like just buy your wand. That's what they say. But then like one kid in the place they're like this one is for you you know and they give it to him all special but with, yeah i thought, with, I thought with, that was a weird way to do it too I, we didn't get ones but we saw it happen and it was like wow that that's a good way to make all the other kids feel like shit exactly yeah <laughs> so i mean that's what's great about star wars land is if you have 200 dollars to spare you can do the or you can do the lightsaber building exercise mm. i heard it's really special that's cool yeah 